0: ACB, This is Deb Cook-Lewis. I have been serving you for the past three months as your interim president and now ask you to elect me to be your president for the next two years. I look forward to serving ACB as we grow to be an even greater organization. Thank you for your vote.
1: I am David Trott, candidate for 1st vice president, the american council of the blind i currently serve as treasurer and have also served on the board of directors you can learn more about me by visiting our candidates pages at acb.org i look forward to hearing from you and would appreciate your support during our elections this year at our national convention thank you
2: Hi, this is Ray Campbell, and I'm asking for your vote for second vice president of the American Council of the Blind. ACB is in a great place with programs such as our community. We need to continue to invest in these programs and others to keep ACB the chief influencer in the blind and visually impaired community. Please join me in doing that work.
3: ACB. I'm Michael Garrett, and I'm running for the position of
1: ACB Treasurer.
3: I believe I bring to the position some previous board experience, my financial background, a little institutional knowledge, and a passion for the organization. I believe we stand on the precipice of a new era in ACB. Yes, we have some challenges before us, but we also have some opportunities to grow. We have a chance to chart a new course at ACB. Won't you stand with me as we work together for a bright future in ACB?
4: Hi, my name is Denise Cawley, and I'm running for my third and final term as your ACB Secretary. I originally ran for this position because I wanted the opportunity to be able to communicate with the membership and ensure that all of our communications were as transparent as possible. I believe that my experience has allowed me to do that, and I want to continue to have the opportunity. I hope I have your vote for this next two years. Thank you.
5: All right. Well, thank you, Herbie, for streaming us tonight. And we are getting a bit of a late start, but we had some technical difficulties. You know, Mother Nature rules. And so when lightning strikes, uh, we (laughs) improvise in ACB. So we are flexible. Um, That is one of our values. So, by the way, I am Katie Frederick, the current chair of the ACB Board of Publications. And I want to welcome you to our annual Candidate Forum. This is something that the Board of Publications has hosted for, gosh, many, many years. And the last few years we've moved it virtual and it seems to be quite popular. I'm pleased to say that in Zoom, the last time I was looking in the Zoom room, we have over 100 participants and that is exciting. If you're listening on ACB Media, um, we do, you know, feel free to hop into Zoom if you want to ask the candidates questions. We will have time for that this evening. I want to go over a little bit of how the evening will run. So I am providing the, some of the welcoming remarks, and we will then move into candidate opening remarks. And each candidate will have up to one minute to speak for their opening remarks, remarks and introduction. Following those, we will move into some prepared questions and candidates will have up to 90 seconds to answer each question. And for the candidates um, and everyone, we will tell you who the question is for, if it's for all candidates or um, BOP only or board or officers only as well. Um, then we will turn the program over to you, the audience, and let you ask questions. And again, for those questions, um, those will be 90-second responses, up to 90-second responses for the candidates as well. And we will conclude with candidate closing remarks. So that is a little bit with how for how the evening will proceed. Um, I want to once again thank... Um, Herbie Allen for streaming us tonight, and Cecily is our Zoom host. So thank you for doing that. And um, thanks to everyone who just works behind the scenes to make all this happen. So with that, how about if we start hearing from the candidates? You don't want to hear from me, um, but let's hear from the candidates. So why don't we take it from the top and the first Uh, The name on the slate for president of the American Council of the Blind. Before I do that, I am remiss and have not welcomed my colleague, Cache Wells from the BOP, who is going to help me out this evening. So welcome, Cache. Good evening, everyone. Yes. So we will be um, asking questions here a little bit later. So um, candidate opening remarks and introductions. Let's take it from the top and the name of the individual running for president on the slate is Deb Cook-Lewis, so Deb take it away
0: well thank you Katie and Cachet, and everyone thank you all for coming this evening this is a great um, opportunity and in one of the traditions of ACB that I admire very much so I have been your interim president for the last three months and I always say it's the try before you buy plan so now you have the opportunity to um, elect me for a term as president um, I've been first vice president for the last two years prior to that I served five years on the Board of Publications, three as a Board of Publications Director, and two as the Chair. I've actually been active in ACB since the early 90s and active in organizations um, of the blind since the mid-70s. So I have a long history in the blindness biz. Um, My employment was uh, with the University of Washington in a variety of positions. I worked for the state of Washington about 38 years, uh, mostly in management positions, so I have a background in that. And I've that been retired your- about five years. That is and your time. Thank you. And I'm in- glad to be here this evening. All right.
5: And next up for the position of first vice president, Mr. David Trott.
1: All right. Thank you guys for coming tonight and listening to what we have to say. Um, I am David Trott. I've served on the board for several terms, and I served as your treasurer for three terms, which I term out this summer, and I'm seeking the office of first vice president. In my professional life, I retired after 30 years as a blind vendor, and then I worked for the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind, in their industries for the blind division, developing service contracts through NIB and various state agencies to help blind people work in call centers, document management, medical transcription, et cetera. Uh, I have served in every office on the local and state level. And you know what I've done on the national level. Uh, I believe in local affiliates boots on the ground is where a lot of acb's work gets done that's where your advocacy gets done and your local thank issue. you all your right.
6: time. <laughs>
1: thank you all right our
5: second vice president is ray campbell ray
2: <clears throat> thank you katie and good evening and thank you everyone for coming this evening I am seeking my third and final term as second vice president. I have been serving as your interim first vice president for the past three months, but my life situation dictates that I run for second vice president. Um, I have served on the board in one capacity or another for the past 17 years. Uh, I have also served as and currently serve as president of my state affiliate, the Illinois Council of the Blind, as well as president of the American Council of Blind Lions. Employment-wise, I work as a Senior Accessibility Analyst in Digital Technology for United Airlines. And um, I just look forward to hearing your questions this evening. And um, this is, I call, I I, I think of this as a job interview. I've said that many a times. So this is the first part of the job interview. So I look forward to your questions and hearing what you're interested in. So thank you very
7: much.
5: All right. Thank you, Ray. Next up, um, Denise Colley for secretary.
4: Thank you, Katie, and thank you to all of you who are with us tonight. Uh, I also am seeking my third and final term um, in the Office of ACB secretary. I was elected to the board in 2016 and I served in that capacity until I was elected to the Office of ABCB secretary in 2019. I have also served on the ACB Board of Publications and as chair of the Board of Publications. So I was on the other side getting to ask the questions for a few years. Um, I really believe that uh, it, communication is important. And, uh, and I I just love the idea of being able to have the opportunity to, to find various ways to communicate both internally and externally regarding our our organization. I'm also serving currently as the president of the Braille Revival League, where I really hope to be able to champion the vital importance of supporting Braille as a key communication tool. Thank you. That is your time. Thank you.
5: All right. And for treasurer, Michael Garrett.
3: Thank you, Katie and and Keishe, and thank you all for, for joining us tonight. Yes, I'm Michael Garrett, and I'm I'm running for the position of treasurer. Uh, I bring a little bit of experience uh, to the position, uh, especially as part of uh, ACB. I've been a part of ACB for over 30 years. I've served on uh, the board of ACBES, our thrift store operation. And I've served on a number of committees that deal with uh, fundraising for ACB. Professionally, I spent 28 years in the investment uh, community uh, as an investment analyst, and I also serve uh, as first vice president of our state affiliate here in in Texas. So, I just want the opportunity to continue the growth prospects for ACB. So, hopefully, uh,
6: thank
5: you. That is your time. Uh, Thank you. And um, as, as you likely saw, if you monitor the email list, um, the Board of Publications has invited um, candidates who wish to seek a possible position on the Board of Publications for the coming year to the forum. So um, I would like to um, we'll take them in. Order. So, um, Jeff Bishop, if you would like to give um, opening remarks, please, for one minute.
8: Sure. Thank you, and good evening, everyone. My name is Jeff Bishop, and I am currently serving on the ACB National Board and have been for the past eight years. And professionally, I work as a product manager working on the Windows Accessibility Team at Microsoft. I'm interested in seeking a, a role on the Board of Publications. I've been heavily involved in ACB Media or formerly ACB Radio for, oh my gosh, it seems like forever, but uh, almost 18 years now, I think, something like that. I was trying to go back in time and figure exactly the amount of time, but it's been about 18 years, and we, we've done a lot uh, in that space uh, media is really important to me. Publications are very, very important to me. Not only that, our, we need to work on making sure that we're reaching our intended audience in the time. way we need to do. Thank you.
5: All right, thank you. Um, Edward.
9: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. My name is Edward Shaham, and I am. Uh, th- I'm going into my third year To convention, so I'm fairly new. I have not served uh, nationally yet, yet, but I am seeking your vote to serve on the Board of Publications. I believe in my my background in accounting and supply chain management, as well as my background in uh, uh, owning my own business, uh, has honed my skills to be able to bring a fresh perspective to the ACB. Publications, which I think is a the lifeblood of our organization and has major influence on on uh, our community. And I would love to be able to extend our external communi- uh publications to be to to be used so that they can help bring in new members and bring new interest and use the external publications as a tool and a medium to do just that. So Thank I you. ask that for your role. Thank you.
10: Thank
5: you so much. All right. We will now move into some prepared questions. And again, you have up to 90 seconds to respond to these. So, um, Kashi, I believe you have the first question.
6: Okay. And good evening again, everyone. Our first question for the evening. Hearing creates space for accountability while listening to another's life experiences offers a different perspective. How would you position yourself, if elected, to engage with members to cultivate and facilitate opportunities to open communication roadblocks? We will start with the first position available of presidency, and that will be Depkut Lewis.
0: All right. Well, I think, as Denise said, communication is is a very important um, situation for our organization and for us all. Um, one of the things that I think is important is to be available to members, um, and my phone rings a lot, my email rings a lot, my texts ring a lot, so I, I try to be um, available to people. But I also think creating opportunities of availability are good. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the community town hall the other day when I was over there was the idea of maybe having some regular listening sessions for um, our officers and board to be able to just have people kind of call in and talk about things and concerns and ask questions. Um, We try to um, have as much openness as we can. Our board is uh, mostly open meetings, and I'm going to be encouraging uh, committees to have more open meetings because it's not just communication with me. It's communication up and down the line in the organization that I think matters
1: most.
6: Thank you so much. Next, David Trott.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I've been on the board for quite a while and served as your treasurer for quite a while. And my policy and one of the things that I always ran on and hope I've lived up to is that I'm open to any member of ACB to discuss any part of our organization and the operations of it. And I still will be. Uh, I believe that it is in our best interest. We don't always agree. But you need to have your voice heard, and I think that's what we're elected to do, whether we agree with what you think or don't, or whether we understand even what you think or don't. Uh, your voice needs to be heard, and that's part of the reason that I'm here. I'm also open to any other uh, way of communications that we come up with. You know, uh, I just want us to be able to move forward and to be able to fellowship and and be together and have the discussions that we need to have to grow the organization for the betterment of everybody.
6: Thank you so much
1: for that.
6: Next, we will have Ray Campbell.
2: Thank you, Cache. Yes, I think that, that, um, well, it's you, the members, that, allow us to serve in these positions. And so it's absolutely essential that we are open and available to communicate with you in whatever ways we can, whether it's um, by email, by phone, um, or whatever. Um, I think one of the greatest things that ACB has done in the past three years that has really facilitated lots of great communication across the organization is the ACB community. I was very deeply moved at the listening to the March Town Hall, celebrating three years of community and how much community has meant to so many people. Um, But it goes beyond electronic uh, communication, those kinds of things. I think we need to continue to uh, support and uh, grow our Braille Forum, ACB Braille Forum. Uh, I think I I love some of the things we're doing there with theme issues and with uh, other things, giving lots of people an opportunity to have their voices heard. And finally, the uh, ACB website, our social media channels, those are extremely important that we need to continue to, you know, enhance those and look even to grow into areas that we haven't even thought about. Mastodon, for example, we're not on Mastodon, more and more people are going to that platform. Uh, We need to uh, look at that. There's tons of ways that we need to communicate. Thank you
6: for your time. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Um, Next.
10: Denise.
6: Yeah, sorry.
10: <laughs>
4: Next,
6: we will have Denise. Denise Colley.
10: Thank
4: you. As an ACB board member and as ACB secretary, um, I had the opportunity to be actively involved in the implementation of ACB's strategic plan. And as secretary, I was also able to see the strengthening of our websites, our ACB lists, the creation and development of a communication plan and um, the ability to bring on additional staff and our financial growth. As I have said repeatedly, communication is what it's all about. We cannot bring new members into this organization if we are not allowing them to have their say as we uh, change and move into this new era of doing more things uh, hybrid and more things via Zoom, more members are getting that opportunity. But I just want everyone to know that my biggest role, I believe, is to listen to you, the members. I believe it is to hear what you have to say about what's good and what's bad about the organization. I know there's some concern about some of the things that are currently occurring, and I hope that I can be a part of making the significant changes that um, a lot of members are feeling are needed, or at least a part of being able to explain our current structure and why it is the better structure for the way the organization operates. Communication has to happen from the bottom Thank you. up. That is your time. Thank you.
6: Next, we will have Jeff Bishop to respond to that same question.
8: Oh, OK. I, was, I thought we were going to keep going with the officers. All right. Very good. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about communication. And, and with the Board of Publications, one of the key things that, that that really provides for this organization is a way for people to communicate their voice whether that be from the affiliate level or individually with ACB voices. And I think we need to continue to promote that and allow people to talk about whatever topics they feel are important to them. We should partner with national board liaisons to be able to make sure that affiliates are represented well and given the opportunity to be able to, you know, post-articles and post-content as part of our publications. That's really important. So again, it's just getting that message out and using the voice of the Board of Publications to be able to help and guide our members, whether it's in written form or in media and electronic format. Thank you.
6: Thank you so much, Jeff, for that response. And I do apologize. Not that I forgot, but again, I do apologize. Next, we will have Michael Garrett.
3: Thank you, we've, I I believe we all agree that communications is very important. But I want to take it to a different level from the standpoint that we can be available, we can be uh, come up with new ideas for communication. But my hope is and and what I've sought to do uh, as a leader in ACB is to develop new leaders and we need to have a concerted effort to commit not only to communicate but to build leaders i know we have some leadership programs in place but there are still a number of members who really don't know what goes on at acb they 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 are in their local silos or their state affiliate silos but how can we grow if we don't develop new, new leaders? How can we grow if we don't give them the opportunity to serve? How can we grow if if we don't give them the right examples? So I want to be a person that is open, that is willing to communicate and bring in new leaders to take over and keep this organization being the great organization that it is.
10: Thank you so much for that. Next, we will have Edward Shaham.
9: Hi, thank you. So I believe that in order to really understand uh, uh, and and listen and hear what others are saying, other members uh, from the Board of Publication standpoint, which is a position I'm running for, we really have to make sure our publications resonate with those people, with everyone. Uh, We want to make sure that voices from all aspects of life, because we are a cross section of society. We're blind, but there isn't just one way to be blind. Um, So I truly believe that making sure that the publications resonate and also our external publications resonate with those that are not members. And that have never heard of our organization so that those are used as tools to bring in new members and to also foster leadership that way. Uh, We have to grow. We have to uh, be able to uh, lead and and show that we can lead and be a vibrant community. And the way to do that, in my opinion, is to make sure that our publications are also vibrant and uh, address and, and uh, foster a community of understanding and compassion for all our members. Thank you.
6: Thank you so much. And again, thank you to each one of your candidates for your insight and perspective. And again, how you value um, the membership of American Council of the Blind. And we thank you for your first round of
5: responses. And back to you, Katie. All right. Thank you. Um, so our next question is um, specifically for those of you who are um, running for the Board of Publications, um, but after our um, potential Board of Publications um, candidates have spoken, um, if any, any other person wants to add, um, we will accept that. But for those of you specifically running for the Board of Publications, um, this question is for you. So ACB's board of, board of Publications, also known as the BOP, oversees communication channels, provides policy feedback, monitors ACB's conversation list, and more. If elected to the BOP, what is a goal you would like to see the board accomplish over the next year? And let's start with Edward Shaham, please.
9: Hi, thank you. Uh, this really, uh, this question is really something that I truly, truly am passionate about. And to answer the question, simply, I would say we need to use our publications, specifically our external publications. Uh, we need to use our social media. Uh, I, I, I think Ray had mentioned some, uh, mentioned that. Um, we need to extend our reach um, with what we have to say. Uh, and who we are, you have to extend that reach outwards, get those uh, people that do not know about about the ACB uh, and bring them in and at the very least, bring them on an email list so that we can start educating them about who we are, uh, because it doesn't it doesn't really work that way where we're, you know, we we market or we put publications out there and then boom, somebody's gonna be interested and they're going to come and join us they they have to go through an educational process and we have to provide that process for them step by step to lead them into becoming full and active participants in a warm and welcoming environment. And that's what I think is key, is extending our reach further into the digital realm. Thank you.
10: Thank you. Jeff Bishop.
8: Thank you, Katie. You know, I think that the Board of Publications is actually doing just outstanding work right now, and I would like to see the board lead in creating some policies and procedures and some guidelines centered around allowing us to innovate even more across our properties of publications and media. So we have tools like members.acb.org, and we have acbmedia.org, and we have all these Great places where people can go and actually find content and whether it's podcast or written format, but wouldn't it be great to be able to have a really awesome personalized member experience to allow you to only see the content that interests you? This is going to take a bit of time and we need to actually figure out what the policies and procedures and all of that, you know, that's going to be required to implement such a thing. And I think in this next year, I think the Board of Publications can strive to put some energy behind this effort to be able to help push all of our publications, whether it be in written form or electronic, forward into the future for ACB. Thank you, Katie.
5: All right. Thank you. Um, any other candidate wish to add anything in I would like
0: to. This is- I would, too, okay. okay. after I- that. Okay, so Deb first, and then Ray. Thank you, right. Deb. So kind of pivoting off a little bit off of both what Edward and Jeff said, I, I think that one of the really critical issues for the BOP to think about is how do we keep our communication processes um, available to all of our members, and there's no question that we're moving forward in the digital age and that we should. Um, so we've just had a wonderful upgrade to ACB Link. We have other things that are going on that are really, really good in the organization that way, but we still, every time I come out to talk to people, I hear concerns about the people who are dialing up on the top Telephone, or who don't have a technology yet. And so I think there's a multi-pronged strategy that we need to think about, which is how do we manage to still keep some of those communication avenues alive or replace them in meaningful ways when in fact some of them are going away? Um, there is less support for the telephone as a communications vehicle of content, not, not so much talking to each other. Um, so how do we do that? And how do we um, continue to serve that part of our population. And so part of it is keeping the technology available and part of it is helping people get the skills and resources to move themselves a little bit further forward if they want to, because um, I'm concerned, you know, that there is a, an honest digital divide and we can't not do these things because we have to reach out to people and we have to use modern uh, communication, but we've got to do both.
2: All right, and oh, no, Ray. Ray? Thank, Thanks, Katie. Um, I, I just throw three real quick points. Deb kind of touched on one of them, and that is making sure that we are as available as we possibly can be from, from a communication standpoint for everyone. Um, even down to, I have two people who actively participate in my special interest affiliate who just can't handle dialing in all those numbers on Zoom. Uh, So we have somebody bring them in on a three-way call, basically, which has worked out very good. So making sure that people can, you know, if they need help or whatever, can access that. Uh, Second of all, I think a communication tool which has been underutilized, although it's starting to be utilized a little bit more now, is ACB Voices. And I'm really pleased to see that uh, under the BOP that we are utilizing that tool a little bit more Um, members at the mic and other things where we're uh, putting more content up there. And that's really a great thing to see. And the third thing is, I think one of the best things that ACB has done in the last couple of years is put a full-time communications manager in place to manage all of the different communication channels that we have and make sure that appropriate content is going out on each of those. And I I hope that um, we will continue to uh, have that position and uh, be able to, you know, have, have that, uh, have that guidance there. Thank you.
5: All right. Thank you. Any other officers wishing to respond to this question? I would please Katie. Okay.
4: I think that one of my greatest contributions when I served. um, have been on the national le- level when I was on the Board of Publications, was the work I did when we were moving ACB to increasing the number of issues um, of the ACB Braille Forum that could be sent out each year. And we were able to go from four to six, all the way to 12, because we were able to do six e-forums. And that's been great. And it's really helped us increase our the, the amount of of articles that we can print and the amount of information that we can get out. But I really would hope that the board and the budget committee and the BOP would really take a real look at now the concerns are, um, what are we doing to ensure that all issues of the forum are being made available to all members of the organization in the way that they wish to have it provided to them. We can't assume that everybody is going to be able to use their computer or want to read it that way. I think the other exciting thing that we're doing is the whole implementation of providing more things in Spanish language. And I really hope that as we're looking at budgetary issues down the road that we can look at that one of the key things that we can do um, for our Spanish speaking population is to make this forum available to them in their language. Thank you.
5: All
3: right, David or Michael, or let me, let me just make a quick comment, if I may. Uh, okay. I just I just see this opportunity. We we're talking about moving in more and more into the digital age, but I also see an opportunity. Sort of looking at the big picture, and I think uh, one of the candidates mentioned it about marketing and and education, I think it's also an opportunity for collaboration between uh, the ACB board of directors and the BOP as we move forward in this digital age to, to, to have more effective marketing, more effective education opportunities to bring people in to talk about or share with them about ACB so that they get a full knowledge and they can become active
1: members of the organization.
5: All right. And David, if you wish to respond.
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, The only thing I really would add so that I don't bore everybody to death from hearing the same thing is that uh, as we move forward and as we try to move the Braille forum back to, you know, uh, monthly issues, we we really need people at the local levels to be sure that they're current in their information so that we can communicate and do a better job of communicating, because if we've got outdated information for you, you're not going to get what you want, and and that's not what that's not our goal. Our goal is to see that everybody in ACB, regardless of how they access, whatever media we use, that they have the easiest and their preferred way of reaching out to us and and having the information that we send down them so really just you know get people at home to get you updated and we'll be sure you have what you need
0: thank and you david i thought you were going to sell them a braille raffle
1: ticket well i <laughs> forgot um we'll get to that that's, that's um, on the convention
5: registration form not here. Day, so if you haven't registered uh make sure you take care of that um all right cachet you have the next question i believe
6: Thank you so much, Katie. The next question is for everyone, actually, and we will start with um, the question first. In an effort to strengthen the commitment of this organization to continue promoting and pursuing the empowerment of more youthful and diverse succession of leadership within ACB, if elected, what steps do you plan to take to partner in this effort to continue to promote and pursue succession of leadership. We will start with the BOP candidates and I will actually start with Mr. Jeff Bishop.
8: Thank you, Cashey. You know, this all really comes down to opportunity. And we need to get really creative to allow people to feel like they're a part of something big and that they can add significant value to That's what's great about ACB, right? Is that we're really truly a family. And each and every one of us has a value in this organization and should be able to contribute in their special way. So as a member of the board or or a member of the board of publications, it's up to us to help elevate opportunities for people, whether that's across ACB media, whether that's on ACB voices or through our publications and, you know, the forum, these are great opportunities for people to be able to have their voice heard. And sometimes it's an issue of, you know, needing to motivate people or try to encourage them to be able to get more involved. And we really think about more ways to do that to allow people to feel like they're a part of something special, because they really, truly are. Thank you.
10: Thank you. Edward Shaham.
9: Thank you so much. Yes, and this is a really interesting question. I I think I believe that first and foremost, uh, if, if all of you reflect back to when you first joined uh, the ACB, um, like if you had the same experiences that I had, I was really lost. Um, I didn't know where to find resources. I didn't know where to find uh, specialty affiliates. I didn't know where to find you know anything. And I would hear it third hand in, in bits and pieces and conversations. So what I would propose would be a central repository of publications specifically designed to give information, names, contact, uh, email, phone numbers of uh, those at the national office, uh, of various resources, of various affiliates, specifically specialty affiliates. This to me will help uh, strengthen the bond between each individual member and the national office. And by strengthening that bond, that channel of communication, it will make that individual feel more valued more heard and more respected and more likely to also become potential leaders uh, but at the very least to be um, more involved in our movement and in what we do but making making them feel valued by uh, giving them all the necessary resources that they need Not for members but for a lot of all members thank you,
10: thank you. Thank that's you. your time Next,
3: we will have Michael Garrett. Yeah, I kind of mentioned this earlier about developing leadership. I'll tell you when I when I grew up in ACB, if I can use that as a metaphor, I hung out with people like M.J. Smith, uh, Leroy Saunders, John Buckley. They gave me sort of the, the basic history, and as I began to develop. I wanted to increase my knowledge and share that with other people, uh, hanging around the board, uh, things like that. So my hope is to reach out to, especially those who are interested, but any new person who who shows an interest in the organization and who wants to move up. I wanna take along with me some board members to go to affiliates or just talk to members, hanging around certain areas of the convention to get people involved. And that's what's important, is moving forward, bringing up people, getting them educated about the organization, putting them in position, encouraging them to serve on committees, uh, encouraging them to use their particular talents and, and, and skills for the betterment of the organization.
10: Thank you so much. Denise Colley. I feel like a broken record because I say this every time I am here. One of
4: our greatest challenges in ACB that we're currently facing is membership growth and retention. Guys, every year during the roll call at convention, I see that state and special interest affiliate memberships are going down. They're losing votes. You know, we live in a society where people in general just aren't joining. And we've done some very cool things to try to, to build, that, build things up and help people not feel so isolated and want to reach out. Um, But we need to do more. And we need, especially for our younger members, and I would say our seniors too, we need to create programs that are things that they would like, that are interesting to them. People have to have a reason for wanting to join this organization. And they have to want to remain active. And I think some of our, our, our affiliates are, you know, we've got Remember, we've got people in the leadership roles on committees and affiliates who've been there like forever. We need to get new people involved. We need new blood. We need new ideas. We need new activities. We need to have things that are exciting to people. We need to have a convention program that everybody can be excited about, be it the virtual part of it or the in-person part of it. So I just say over and over again, we need to do more and we need to do better. Thank you.
2: Ray Campbell. Thank you, Cache. Two things, I think, as far as, you know, growing and diversifying our leadership. um, I think, well, three things, actually. Uh, I think, first of all, uh, the ACB community has been huge to allow people to bring their talents, their skills to the group, to people who are blind or visually impaired. We have seen Countless people come in through community, and some of them are even serving in positions, either in our affiliates or in national positions right now. So I think that has been huge, because what community has done is it's allowed us to bring people into ACB and say, we have something you can do, or that used to be we had to say, well, there really isn't much that you can get involved in until we have a convention in six, eight, 10 months. Now we we got something they can do the first week they're here. And so I think taking that initiative and that leadership to put programs together for community, I think has really been great. Second thing, uh, finally, 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 ACB has a mentoring program going. That is huge. Um, We're graduating as of tomorrow, our first cohort, um, and um it's going to continue forward, and I think eventually it is going to help us bring forward some really good future leaders in ACB. Um,
10: thank you so started. much.
2: oh good. <laughs> good because I forgot my last point, so thank
10: you. <laughs> Next,
1: David Trot. Thank you. um you know I've done a lot of thinking about this and The the community has the potential to grow a lot of leaders, and it has done so. But I go back, and I guess you see this as one of my great interests as I move forward, to our local chapters. People are feeling isolated. They're not getting out. And this happened because of the pandemic. And a lot of chapters, as they come back, haven't reached out and done what they need. You have to have something that people want to get there. And what I do when I go and speak to conventions around the country is I try to find some of the shy people there and and dig information out of them. Because you find a lot of leaders that might not be outgoing because they don't have the confidence yet. So we need to do some confidence building among our members. We have so much talent out there. And then we get them into the committees and they they begin to bloom and shine and, and do the work of ACB because our membership is what pushes our organization forward. It's not this handful of officers that you'll elect this year. It is you, the membership, and you're going to find your future leaders and then push them from those committees. You know, if they're ready to jump on, uh, get them on the board of publication or get them on the board of directors so that they can learn the experience they need to be officers and then move them up to officers. We, we want new blood. Uh, we want you to have an interesting organization that you feel a part of, Thank and you. You feel a part of it at all levels. Thank you,
0: Deb Cook Lewis. I think that uh, people have said, of course, a lot of the things that that tie into this. And for me, the thing that really stands out is that people need to be feel needed and wanted, and um, A couple of people have mentioned the community, but there are other ways to do this as well. But certainly in the community, um, the fact that you can come and you can volunteer and you can have a job to do and we can know that you're going to do it and and it's just um, wonderful. And so that gives people a real sense of belonging that crosses the age barriers, that crosses the racial barriers that might be there, that process uh, crosses the various sort of disability difference barriers. So all that stuff that we talk about diversity and equity, that gets solved when people really feel like they're part of something together. That same community concept, should be what we're doing in our state affiliates and our local chapters. And it's sometimes challenging to do that because um, uh, the differences in people age and uh, other things kind of come out more there and it is more challenging. But if we can really coach our uh, groups of people, whether it's at the affiliate level and at the chapter level, then that really strengthens the organization at the base and provides us the opportunity then to, as has been suggested, move people up the ladder. But I think giving somebody something to do is, um, or at least offering them that opportunity, um, is one of the most critical things you can do in any Thank you. organization.
6: Thank you all again for... Uh, allowing us a little bit of insight into your plans, your ideas, your goals, your vision, and your strategies of what is priority for you if you are elected. And again, it's back to you, Katie, for the next question.
5: All right. And this is the, um, our next question is um, for everyone. So over the last three years, the American Council of the Blind (ACB) has really, um, we've we've changed, we've we've grown, we've adopted, um, we've you know we've we formed the community and, and started those calls, and we've now hosted, um, vir- you know, completely virtual and hybrid conferences and conventions. So those are just a few of the changes that we've that we've experienced over the past three years. But if you are elected, what is one area of opportunity you see for the
0: organization
5: over the next one to three years. And let's
0: start with Deb Cook-Lewis, please. Do I only get one? (laughs) Um, Well, there are a number of things, and I actually do really have two. Uh, They're very different from each other, but one of them is that we do need to look at our whole governance process. Um, I hear from everyone that we want to make the conventions get shorter again. It's a little shorter than last year, but I know it's not where people want it to be. So um, one of the big changes that we need to look at is now that every member can vote uh do we in fact need to continue some of the processes that we currently have in place um the other major area that uh, ACB really does need to work in is developing its um information technology infrastructure um we've talked about all these great resources that we have in ACB uh but they are all kind of located differently placed differently uh A lot of things are duplicative, Um, everything is not connected together, and so we need to do some major work on bringing this all together, and it's a totally common organizational problem for uh, any organization to have the long in in that sphere, but we really do desperately in the next few years, in the next year or two, have to do something about our IT structure because we could lose it all if we don't have a better plan to bring all the pieces together.
10: All right. Thank you very much. Um, David Trotter.
1: Okay, ne- never ask a politician one. I always ask them <laughs> for a 50 or more, but I actually, like Deb, have two. Uh, one of the most important things we'll do over the next few years is change the situation with from interim to uh, our executive director, and that's going to be an important position to fill because they're going to help guide our day-to-day day- day business of our organization And communications, we we really need to look at that position as a whole before we put it back out. Do we need to change what we're doing there? Uh, We really need to do an in-depth search for someone. And we definitely want someone who is blind or visually impaired in that role because they represent us every day. And people need to see someone who is like us. Uh, The second thing is of course coming in from treasurer uh, i will not leave this idea behind it is development uh, it is important that we have the resources to do the day-to-day business of acb uh, it is important that we develop resources to help our state and local affiliates uh, maybe not monetarily but with uh, education with support the things that you need on that level and thirdly in that same area of development we need to look at other things that we need to do in the community and grow that as well because it's worked so great for us so you know i think up front and post though is executive director thank you so much
5: all right next
1: ray campbell thank you
2: katie a couple of things um david kind of touched on this, but I think I'll just kind of summarize it this way. One of the, mo- the most important thing we're going to do over the next year is find and put in place a new permanent executive director to lead our organization. And I can tell you that a huge, huge um, in- in- emphasis for me is going to be what skills does this person have in the development space and in building relationships? Like Those are really, really important. Uh, second of all, we've got to really start talking about what our future conventions are going to look like. We've had a couple of virtual conventions. We're now in our second hybrid convention. We've got two years that we have existing contracts. We, we need to start thinking about the after 2025? And what is the convention of the future going to look like? And Deb kind of mentioned this too. Guys, we have to look at our governance structure and figure out what the best ways are to move forward with that. And finally, we need to put in place a plan to strengthen our state affiliates. Uh, We have a lot of state affiliates that are struggling out there. And the pandemic did not help them A lot of them were used to doing things in person. How are we going to go about strengthening our state affiliates? And I think that's a really big, um, important thing. I I know there's some things happening with uh, a couple of states and see that. And we need to move that forward.
5: Thank you. Denise Kali.
4: Well, a lot of what I was going to say has already been said, but I just go back to we need to strengthen our membership and we need to do whatever it takes to do that. We need to, I mean, I'm a little concerned about the way our conventions are going now. And because we've moved into this hybrid environment, there are a lot of people who choose to not attend in person and that's fine as long as you are fully um, committed to being a part of complete part of the convention and not just bits and pieces because you can stay home and it's easy to do that. Um, We really need to to look at, I, I agree, strengthening our state affiliates and doing whatever it is we can. We have a lot of affiliates who only have like one or two votes, which means they don't have a whole lot of members. We need to find out why. We need to find out why people have left. We need to find out what it is we need to do to get them back. What is it we have not been doing to, to meet their needs and to serve them. And I think we have to be more open to that. And the other thing is, I think we need to, I think affiliates, special interest affiliates especially, need to take more of the opportunity that the community provides to do events that are going to be meaningful to members and not just to people out there in the community who are part of that environment.
5: Thank you. All right. My Garrett
3: cool. so in order to achieve all of the things that my colleagues who've gone before me have mentioned and I think David touched on it a little bit by using the word development I want to I want to use that word more in the financial sense in order to in order to achieve our goals we have to continue to build on our financial stability and as as if i'm elected as your treasurer i want to work with our financial team to continue to build our financial stability Uh, not only not only the stable part but to grow it if we can there are There are opportunities, yes, there are challenges, but there are opportunities as we delve into this new era, but I do believe that we can continue to build on that stability such that we'll be able to create programs, we'll be able to help our state affiliates, we'll we'll be able to provide new programs and services to educate our members, to build that membership, and and increase, uh, even possibly increase our staff to the extent that we'll be productive and all of our members will be served. But we can't do it unless we continue to be financially stable.
10: Thank you and you're at time. All
5: right, Um, next, Jeff Bishop, please.
8: Thank you, Katie. I think a lot of already. has already been said here. And one of the areas that I have focused a lot of attention in the last, oh oh my gosh, 10 years with an ACB has been around our IT infrastructure. And yes, even on the Board of Publications, this is something that we need to make sure that we're keeping track of and understanding the complexities that surround the resources that make up our organization. And we have some significant issues here that we need to have addressed. But looking forward, we also have significant opportunities to allow us to innovate even more, to create even greater outreach for people within the organization. And I'm truly hoping that along with partnering with the members of the national office, the national board, along with the board of publications, and of course, all of you as members, that we'll be able to build something great for the future of ACB to, to allow people to really, truly get at the content they want first uh, to allow them to be able to, you know, get the information they need most quickly. This will help people and elevate them in an area to, to allow them to learn and grow. This should help in building leadership skills. And this will also help in outreach for our affiliates and special interest you know affiliates as well. So it's all about just moving forward together, creating tools and technologies to be able to assist us in that process. Thank,
10: thank you, Katie. You. Great, Edward.
9: Great, thank you so much. So this is a this is a really important topic uh, and a great question, and everyone has touched on how um uh some of the issues we're having. Uh Deb mentioned uh information technology. Um uh Denise had mentioned of course uh you know why are some affiliates growing while others are not but it all, and, and I read on the website on the acb.org website that we have or had nine strategic plans. Um and I did not read anything about a strategic analysis meaning all these problems and where we fit in the uh, greater line community uh, financially, uh, technologically, um, you know, member-wise, could all be addressed by a very detailed strategic analysis. And that, I believe, is a great starting point for first, you know, getting those questions answered before we move forward with any plan uh, and put any plan into action. We should first know who we are, where we are, who our competition is, and what our our strengths and weaknesses are first, and then uh, move forward with a uh, plan with all the information that we need to um, make our organization stronger and more resilient and of course, make it grow. Thank you.
10: All right. And now we are
5: to the point in the evening that you've all been waiting for. Um, We are going to move to questions from the audience. So start getting those hands raised and Cecily will call on you for those questions. Again, for the candidates, you will have up to 90 seconds to respond. And for those of you who are wishing to ask a question, Please indicate if you would like a specific person or if you want um, the question to be answered by all participants or if you'd like a specific group or participant to answer the question. So with that, um, we will now take um, questions from the audience. So please raise your hand in Zoom for Cecily. You
11: have all question. right, first we have Deborah Armstrong. You may unmute oh good evening can you hear me yes. yes
5: all right um i was disappointed that the candidates had very little to say about advocacy um you know our college students are facing inaccessible stem content we have inaccessible websites inaccessible pdfs o and m that is inadequate many of us are unemployed plus we also have inadequate technology
10: training what are you all going to do about transportation and other advocacy issues Thank you, I'm back on mute. All right. Um, how about if we
5: start with, um, we'll start with Ray Campbell. I mean, you I might have something him. to
2: say about this. <laughs> uh, how do you know? Um, Debbie, I think one of the reasons we haven't mentioned advocacy is, advocacy is really at the heart of what ACB does. And so, of course, we're going to continue to. We've got lots of issues. You're absolutely right. I think if you look at the four imperatives that ACB has put forward in terms of legislative imperatives this year, you'll see that <clears throat> there are lots of things that we're concerned about, and we are addressing some of these issues through them. And hopefully, we can move those things forward. And that, but I'd like to take it in a little different direction too. And I think <clears throat> I think that besides national advocacy. I think there's a lot that we need to be doing to help and encourage our state affiliates and our local chapters to do more in the advocacy arena. <clears throat> I was very pleased to be a plaintiff in a lawsuit against the city of Chicago on regarding accessible pedestrian signals, and we've gotten a good victory there. Um, more and more places need to do, th- and, and you know, states and local chapters need to do things like that. Um, I think that, you know, you mentioned college students and inaccessible websites and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Those are things that we need to do. There's really a huge number of issues out there. And um, I think that ACB is in a good position to address a lot of them, but we don't know a lot about them or how to uh, do that. There's also good ways to partner, too. So thank you.
5: Thank you, Ray. Next, Jeff
10: Bishop.
8: I think, uh, you know, reaching out to people who are uh, younger, for example, younger than I, especially college people and and people that are uh, in our next generation affiliate are really important. They're truly the the leaders for tomorrow of this organization, and they have lots of complex issues, and transportation is just one of many of them. So I think there needs to be a stronger emphasis around working with our next generation affiliates, as well as reaching out to more young members of the blind community to strengthen and grow our organization. You know, transportation is also a key area and and one in which things are not equal across the United States for people to obtain services. And this is a significant problem and really creates an undue burden for people who are blind or visually impaired to be able to get out and be able to do things in their own lives. So we already do a lot in this space with an ACB, but I do think that we can do even more and as a member of the Board of Publications or as a member of the board, I think it behooves each and every one of us to be looking for opportunities to increase involvement, especially with the use of this organization. Because if we don't do that, we won't have an organization in the future. Thank you.
10: All right.
0: Next, um, Deb Cook-Lewis. So I think one of the ways that we show our commitment to the different uh, resources and activities that ACB supports is through the way our convention is um, divided up in terms of content. And so one of the things that you'll see this summer that I think has been true um, over time is that advocacy in many, many forms, all of the ones you mentioned, plus uh, some you haven't, um, That are represented in the content of our convention, which is basically a forum for communicating to the world and also uh, communicating with our members, helping our members understand more. Or clearly how to advocate uh, for the things that are important to them. Um, we do our, le- our legislative imperatives and our activity in DC, both with our staff and our member volunteers to support our, our um, advocacy and legislative efforts. And so in general, I think this organization makes a very, very strong stand toward advocacy. Uh, if I could wave the magic wand, I'd hire more advocacy staff. I think we ought to have an advocacy staff reach imperative. We don't have the funding to do that right now, but that's where I would be headed. So um, we haven't really addressed it so much in these questions because of the way the questions kind of came out, but but I think that um, if you look at our track record, um, it's really pretty strong. If you look at the amount of need there still is, it's still really, really huge. And uh, one of the reasons that we're part of an organization is because we can do this more as
1: a group.
5: All right. Thank you. Next, um, David Tracht.
1: Okay. I learned a valuable lesson about advocacy this year. And it was that a lot of people don't know they can advocate. And that's where I think our shortfalls are. I think we need to work more on advocacy education for our membership and make that our, one of our national priorities uh, and then push it back down to the state and local levels. Because in some states, people have had it so good for so many years after we had the big uh, advocacy work we had to do in the 70s and 80s to even get things like what we consider now normal things that are bought for us when we go to college. Uh, We we didn't have to do that for a long time. And so we switched to uh, other things like accessible websites and and accessible books and that kind of thing. And we still are not there. And I don't know that we'll ever be there. But I think first and foremost, we need to teach people how to advocate and advocate right for themselves. It's not just jumping on somebody and saying, I'm entitled to this. It's going in in a professional manner showing the need, showing what you need it for, and how the, how, what the resolution can be. And I think once we can start doing that, we stand a better chance of moving forward uh, with the membership that we have now than we've ever had before because of communications and being able to, to work directly with individual members.
5: Thank you. All right, next, um, Denise Colley. Debbie, yeah,
4: mean, I love this question, and I am in total agreement with what David just said. You know, um, I, I think one of the problems is that on the state and local level, people don't know that they can advocate. They don't know how to advocate. They don't know what they're supposed to do. We tell them you got to go out and meet with your legislators and you know talk to them, but that's a very scary thing for a lot of people. We can't just rely on our um, advocacy services staff to do this, all this work. They can't, there's only two people. They can't do it all. And so we need to, I think we really need to do a lot more advocacy education. If I had my way, we would be able to hire somebody who was our advocate up on the hill all the time, not just for things as they come up who was up there people got used to seeing this person they got used to seeing a face um, that we would help our state affiliates to be able to do the same thing have somebody up on the hill at on the state level and we and and we need to do more uh, education because people really don't know how to do that on the state and local level
5: thank you all right Edward Sham, please.
9: Hi, thank you so much. So, first, I'm uh, 46 years old, and I just graduated college May 10th. Uh, double majored in accounting and supply chain management, and I could tell you, it's not all doom and gloom. Things have gotten better, uh, so, you know, significantly better and more accessible, but yet. You're correct, Debbie, that there is still a lot of work to be done um, when it comes to to accessibility of, of uh, in the education or higher education space. Um, secondly, the transportation issues uh, you know trans- I'm, I'm in Connecticut and uh, you know city uh, public transportation is not very good out here uh, and and that's just how it is and and I wish we could do more advocacy at the local level. Um, but I think that depends on, um, you know, making sure that there are that there's information, uh, updated information and coordination when it comes to advocacy. And I think the Board of Publication is is really um, positioned well to be able to provide that type of publication so that we are on the same page and, and, you know, always updated on what exactly we are advocating for. and. You know, which congressman and senator is more likely to want to listen to us and which have, have signed on to certain bills and which have not yet. So I think uh, coordination is the biggest thing that we need to do is, is is be able to coordinate our efforts and so that everyone knows exactly what is happening, you know, where uh, and and right. where, we're, where we stand.
3: Thank you so much.
5: Thank you. All right. Michael Garrett,
3: if you have anything to add. Sure. I think Deborah was very passionate in her question. And I want to echo what Ray said. Advocacy is at the heart of what we do. As an example, in our, in our local office, we get calls every day, people who need help in all of these areas. And the core, the the, the four Basic areas of life and living for a blind person, transportation, education, uh, employment, and housing. We have to address those issues just about every day. We've had some successes, uh, or at least one big success here in Texas at the at the at the state level. We're working on some other projects uh, that we have to go back to the le- legislature uh, in the next biennium, but we're working to better the lives of people who are blind and visually impaired, uh, not only in our local area, but throughout the state by, by trying to create more funds for the older blind program and, and, and pro- projects such as that. So advocacy is at the heart of what we do. I mean, we just have to have the tools to do it. And I agree with what everybody else is saying, we need to educate people to, ad- to advocate for themselves, but, If we're stepping out as leaders, we have to show
10: them how to do it also. Thank you. And we will go to the next
5: question. And just a reminder, when you ask the question, please let us know who you would like to answer it, if you want everyone or specific people or the officers or the Board of Publications. So who's next, Cecily?
11: Next, we have Regina Marie.
5: Hello. Hi. Um, yes. Thank you for this opportunity, Katie, and everybody. And this is for the Board of Publications, but of course, any other officer that feels they have something
4: to contribute could answer, but it's directed at Board of Publications con- candidates. So what I'm asking about is bringing in new
5: members. And we've done some of the addressing with Spanish language, but... What ideas do you specifically have to bring in people from other cultures that are underrepresented in ACB, such as the African American community, the Native American community, and Asian Pacific Islanders specifically? All right. Um, Thank you. How about if we start with
10: Jeff Bishop? Jeff might be having some technical issues. So let's move on to
5: Edward Shaham. And if Jeff, um, we'll take Jeff Jeff after Edward.
9: Sure. Thank you so much. This is a great question. Thank you, Regina. Um, This is really important to make sure that everyone feels valued and a part of our community. We are a very diverse community of blind individuals that make up the organization. Now, I think. When it comes to, uh, from the standpoint of the board of publications, we need to make sure that our uh, publications, our messaging, is tailored and resonates with other uh, other groups um, that are uh, underrepresented. So it's it you know just because we come out with a publication um, once uh, doesn't mean we don't you know we don't. Need to come out with it again from a you know and write it from a different uh angle to be able to resonate with a specific uh population, and I think having uh ha- you know in- including uh others and thinking about others and diversity being at the forefront of the board of publications is one of the major ways that we can grow the organization and provide you know publications that are really tailored and resonate to those particular groups of individuals, which means, you know, we would have to provide the publications, maybe have it written multiple times in multiple ways. And I do not have an issue with that. I think that's a great thank idea. You. And thank you so much.
10: All right, Jeff.
8: Yes, I'm in, I'm back. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> you know, I touched on this a bit earlier and I think that, as a, a member of the Board of Publications, it's it's crucial that we are providing opportunities for people to allow their voice to be heard. But this takes leadership at all levels within the organization to make that happen. It's us on the Board of Publications in making the selections for themes and, and articles that are published. It's Making sure that we're listening to the voices of people from within the organization. And if that means also talking with other leaders, such as board liaisons, the national staff, other people within the organization, or just any of us getting a phone call and hearing about a member or hearing about an affiliate, it's things like this that are crucial to allow people's voices to be heard. Most importantly, too, is that no matter who you are in this organization, your voice counts. So for that reason, no matter who you are, your voice should be heard. Your content should be v- very much looked at and respected and considered just like everyone else. Because again, everyone has value in the organization and we want that diverse selection from across the organization. Whether you're, you know, eight or 88, it doesn't matter. You're a member of the organization. And if. The content that you're producing brings value and has a, especially has a difference that's not been reflected within uh, our publications, then Thank you. let's get it represented. Thank you.
10: Sorry about that. I had a technical challenge. All right. Um, is there any, I mean, I, I know the question
5: was directed at the Board of Publications, but is there, an officer that has a yes. burning comment otherwise we will I, move on
0: I do have a real quick comment I think Okay uh, so, you know, one of the things that I think has been really uh, interesting and exciting in our organization is that we uh, sometimes have more diversity around here than we realize or think we do. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want more, but that's the starting point, is if you can identify um, members of a particular affinity group of some kind or who have a real interest in uh, that group and some connection, um, it is a good way to get started. And that's really how we started our Spanish activity was um, identifying a number of members who who would either benefit from it or who could contribute to it or had a really strong interest in it. And then we started identifying more people and more people, and then some more people have come because of all that identification. So I think it's okay to start out small and to kind of start with that seed and then um, and identify that um, and then help that grow and then continue that process and then it becomes all much more major and so i think if we want to do that in other areas it takes some grassroots grassroots work to determine who might lead us in that direction from where we already are
5: all right thank
1: you Okay. okay this is david Yes, Um, go ahead. We we have a special affiliation that we don't talk about much, and that's the World Blind Union. And I believe as we move forward, the World Blind Union can be very helpful in the ways that we move, and we can move forward in a more professional manner to recognize the people that we have of different diversities that we're not aware of. And as always, just staying open, you know. the the way we learn about the needs of our membership is from the membership. So you know, communications down from us is great. Communications up from you is is even more beneficiary to the to the whole organization because we we then know what the needs are.
5: Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Anyone else? before we move on to the next question. Okay, Cecily, who is next?
11: We have Linda Yaks, you may unmute.
5: Good evening, Linda.
11: Okay, right, let's. I okay. think I'm unmuted now. Yes, you are. Um, yes. First of all, I need to just make a quick comment. I am so happy to hear you talk about the grassroots organization because you know, well-fed, well-watered roots, without them, the grass dies. So I'm really excited about that. My question is this, how can you, what ideas do you have for for us or as an organization to really begin to reach out to the young people? Because as, as a, an active member in in this organization and ha- holding office on a local level, I've tried to reach out to the schools and colleges and had absolutely no success. So that's part of it. The other piece I want to know quickly is in, in in going along with that, how do what do you think about how we can reach out to the parents of blind children in order to be able to get those parents become part of this organization and therefore raising their children um, in ACB? And who questions. would you like and this? I, I think probably for time constraints, I'd just go to the board. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. All, uh-huh. right. all right. So
5: let's start <laughs> with Michael Garrett.
3: Thank you, Linda, for that question. I, that's, a, that's a question that we've dealt with for years, and we're all struggling from that standpoint. But the one thing I would say is keep keep doing it, keep contacting uh, the schools, uh, the parents. Uh, uh, One of the projects that we've we've tried to develop uh, here locally is to get involved with the VI teachers, Um, every avenue. uh, We have uh, regional education service centers that we try to uh, develop relationships with. Uh, every activity that we uh, that we have, we try to invite students, uh, and it's it's just coming up with innovative ideas to involve students, their parents, their young people in general. Uh, we had a young man who's a who was a teacher uh, in school. We we tried to help him uh, get accommodations. He's he's a young man in his twenties, maybe early thirties, but it's it's always reaching out, always trying to help everywhere you can, and and
10: making people feel welcomed. Thank you, Denise Colley. You know it's rather
4: interesting. Um, I think the first thing is is that we have a really vital resource right here with our ACB families affiliates. And um, I'm sure I can speak for them to say that, you know, any state affiliate or even local chapter that wants some assistance from them, you know, they're going to be able to provide that. I will say like in our affiliates uh, in Washington, we created um, an ACB, um, essentially an ACB families um, affiliate, our committee, and what that committee did was to start to reach out and find out what kinds of activities were going on around the state that we could make, um, we could get that information out to families, and we've been able to build our database of families from that, and we keep a they keep a calendar, and they you know, advertise um, Easter egg hunts and other kinds of things that are happening throughout the year that families might not know about that we get the information out. So that's just one way of reaching out and trying to pull in those people that um, may not be involved. And I think that the parents really, we really start need to start working more with parents who just who have blind children and they just don't know what's out there. They don't know what's available. Thank you. We need to make that available to
10: them. All Mm
2: -hmm.
0: All
5: right. Ray Campbell.
2: Thank you. Thank you. first of all, I just want to tag off of Denise's comment about parents. Um, I was so hopeful many years ago when we had started to put a partnership together with NAPFI, National Association of Parents of Visually Impaired, that that might really help us uh, bring more parents into so they could learn about ACB. Unfortunately, that did not uh, go the direction that I had hoped it would go. I think we've got two huge resources in this organization that Uh, frankly, we probably don't use enough to help us. And that's ACB students and ACB Next Generation. Um, If you look at the work that ACB Next Generation is doing, for example, they're just doing some tremendous work. We need to continue to bring those people in through affiliates like that and help them to move up into uh, leadership roles in their state affiliates and uh, even eventually at the national level. And that kind of those kinds of things. Some of them are doing that. But second of all, I think if we're going to reach out to younger people, we've got to listen and truly listen to their issues and concerns. I was so pleased and so moved at the DC Leadership Conference when we sat there in those four sessions about membership and culture within ACB, and we all listened to each other. We had young people, we had more seasoned members. Everybody was around the table and having just some great discussions. And I want to see that kind of thing continue because we younger people maybe have different issues. Some of us
1: do. And we need to listen to them.
5: David Trott. Thank you, Ray.
1: Okay. But first, I think, again, um, we, do, we do need to follow up our scholarship people. And see what they need. Not, we don't want, you know, we want you to join. We need to, to provide benefits that people can really, something tangible, they can see and feel. If it's advocation, uh, if it's direction into how to acquire something they need, uh, and on the local levels, the kind of programming you put on on the local level, even the entertainment you do needs to be geared toward a wide audience. Uh, we talk about bringing young people in. You know, the, the largest growth of blindness in this country is the, is the senior citizens, and we also need to be beneficial to them. So we need to look at it at all levels. We, we tend to gain them in students, and then we were losing them in the middle years, and now we do have next generation. So, and they're doing a great job. Uh, So, so we've, we're putting the stuff in place. We just need to utilize the resources we have better and adapt to the needs of the people that we want to recruit.
0: Thank you. Deborah Lewis. You know, I just... um a lot of things people have said are really meaningful for me and certainly the the discussions of how to actually connect with uh, again it's kind of like the cultural thing of we talked about different races or different you know ethnic groups or cultural groups well you know uh, youth uh, and their parents are a different cultural group from many of us I talked to my younger sister who is quite a bit younger and I realized we don't speak the same language at all (laughs) and we have nothing else in common so uh, you know it's no different. And so what we have to really do is find some pockets of people who who are engaging in those. And we've already talked about some of that with uh, NextGen and students and others. But also, I th- think making a real connection um, with the vision programs in our states um, so that we can become a resource to them because one of the things people are looking for is mentorship and I think that that is um, a, a really fine thing and all of the states have to have some kind of transition program now for youth so if you can offer to do maybe the social parts of that for that program when they're going to have a get-together or some other kind of fun thing um, that's a really good way to get that started and we've had some success in our state with it not as much as I'd like to see but I think those things I think if we start thinking about it as the same issue as some of our other cultural divide issues and then my last comment is we need to rethink what membership looks like in this organization because people aren't really much into joining and being a part of something in that way, as much as they are just into connecting. So what happens if our members are connected to us and we don't sort of require them to be members in the traditional way? And, and I haven't given that too much thought yet, but it's something we all should think about. What should membership really look like in time? Time, okay. Time, Thank yes. You very much.
5: <laughs> yes, and we do have a lot of questions, so we may not be able to get to all of them, but um, try to keep, in mind as we as we go through our responses um so we can get to as many questions as possible so um, cecily who is next
11: right we have michael byington
7: well good evening this is a big this is a big picture question i have been an acb member since the age of 16 my parents were charter members I was a child when ACB was created, but I remember the extreme sadness and emotion that went into the creation of ACB because it was created largely because of issues of governance. And because of that, ACB in its drafting of its original constitution went out of its way to be a profoundly democratic organization. I understand the history behind all of that, but if I had joined ACB in the last five years or so, I might look at that constitution and at some of the procedures that we follow and say that it's just downright idiotic. At the same time, you have a question? we have a situation where uh, people have uh Really, gotten new ways to include more people in the organization than ever before. Now, what I would like any member who wants to, any uh, candidate who wants to, to comment on is how can we preserve the importance of our history and learn from it while not letting us constrain future growth in ACB?
5: Thank you. All right, I would like to start with, I think David Trott would have a unique perspective on this.
1: You know, I've been listening to several people over the last year about how we vote, for example. And I think the more we can include on changes that we want to make in our exit survey, from our conference and convention every year since, every member who attends convention, well, every member can take it, but we really look for those who attend either virtually or uh, in person to to take the survey. We we really need to find out what do people want, and the the only way we can do that, you know, it's not it's not very important. Of, I mean, it is important how you like the hotel. We want you to have a great experience, but. Chances are we won't see that hotel again, and if we do, it'd be many years down the road. So, you know, the experiences we want to to glam, glam the information or the data from is what did you not like or what did you really love about the experience you had with ACB, and what can we do better for you? I think that would be a good starting point.
5: All right, who would like to go next?
0: This is Deb. Okay. So first of all, Michael, I really invite you to have a conversation with me later from this, because I really want, I think you're really on to something that's super important here, which is that it is very important to respect and value um, the history of the organization. And for those of us who are somewhat newer, um, I do remember when the, uh, When the big organizational thing happened, but I was very young and my parents were part of the other organization. So, uh, and stayed there. So basically, you know, my experience is different, but what I do think is super important is that we figure out what we value most. And so it, we value democracy, we value various things. And so are we really achieving them now in the way that we would have in the environment we were in? And so whether it's a discussion of affiliate votes, or whether it's some other discussion in this process, um, we need to figure out how can we do the work of the organization in a way that respects our past, but doesn't necessarily live in it. And so if, for example, democracy is very important to us, then the most democratic process might be to simply have every member have a vote, because it might be artificial to say that the affiliate vote, you know, counts for that. It definitely can change the outcome. But is that what you're trying to do? Is to create an arbitrary outcome? So, you know, those things need to be discussed and debated and and worked through. Time. time. All right. Who wants to go next?
5: Ray Campbell. I think
2: uh, I know yeah, your right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I just think that uh, Michael, thank you for the for the question because um, I think that um, I, I just would go back to a couple things I said earlier. Uh, one is that the convention is are the supreme authority of this organization, but what is that going to look like in the future? I mean, heck, we're we're not even doing a lot of our business now at the actual. F- in-person or hybrid convention. So is that going to be the way of the future or what is it going to be? Um, I, 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 I really like what uh, Deb said, and I you know, would wholeheartedly sign on to it, that we really need to spend a lot of time going through, looking at how ACB is doing things now. And I think that to do that, We need to look at where we want to go and involve people that have some good ideas for the future, while also involving folks like yourself who have that understanding of the history so that we don't, uh, you know, we, we, we remember the history, we understand where we came from, but yet that we can move forward in the best possible way for ACB.
10: All right anyone else wishing to address this question?
3: Just quickly I would, I would say it you know preserving history is important uh, and to be, to piggyback on what has already been said moving forward is 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 the other part of the the whole puzzle. How do we how do we move forward? I do agree with Deb that it's those are things that we need to to debate a little bit. There are so many dynamics at play uh, when you ask a broad question like that, Michael. And so there are a lot of areas that need to be looked at. Where do we wanna go? Uh, How do we want to be uh, a a democratic organization? How do we wanna bring in people of all uh, walks of life? And and so, and and how do we all fit? My, My opinion is, that we have a common bond, and that's, what, that's where we start. We start from the common bond that we're all blind or visually impaired and we work out from there.
10: Thank you. Anyone else?
5: All right, Cecily, who is next? Next, we have Phil Jones.
12: Okay, good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for all being here. Uh, First, I'm going to make a quick comment before I get to my question. It's very connected to my comment. There's been so much talk about helping out state and local affiliates and special interest affiliates, and that is only right because although there's a lot going on at the national level, really the heart of ACB is at the state, local, and special interest level, And once they go, then ACB goes. So we can't let that happen. Uh, There's another segment though. There are a number of people in ACB who have chosen to be members at large for whatever reason. And I know I did that in the 1990s for a few years and didn't feel very involved in ACB at that time. So through all the officers, what would you do to try to bring members at large more into the organization? And make them feel more involved is
0: what I'm saying.
5: Thank you very much. Let's start with Deb Cook-Lewis, please.
0: Oh, goody. Um, Well, thanks, Phil, for that question, because it is one of those burning questions, I think. First of all, I totally respect our members at large. Um, I, I live in a part of our state that is not near any other part of our state, I'm uh, miles from everything. There's no affiliate within 150 miles, no chapter within 150 miles of me. And so if, if I had not already been part of a chapter, I might not be now. And, and I think that's okay. So the other part of that is that because of our modern communication, I really wouldn't assume that our members at large are not connected to the organization or connected to various things. But, in in the event that they are, and they certainly could be, um, I think that we um, need to do all we can to encourage them to become part of our affiliates. And it's really, in some ways, just like reaching out to people who aren't even part of the organization because, you know, they have to feel that being in that affiliate is more valuable than not being in it. So, I appreciate that many of our affiliates, some state ones, and many of the special interest affiliates offer programming in the community that in Entices and encourages our members at large to join. I think our convention is going to be a great opportunity where some of our members at large will be. And finally, um, we don't actually have as many members at large as people sometimes think we do. And at the upcoming board meeting, um, I know that Cindy will rep- be reporting on that, but it's not that large a group. And so I, um, but I applaud the fact that Time. they are members at large rather than not members at all.
5: All right, next let's go to Michael Garrett.
3: I think members at large are, are, are a very important part of our organization. Uh, we actually had a state president here in Texas who was a member at large. So the the key to to that is to get them involved, to give them something to do, tap into their expertise or their their key talent get them involved in the organization give them a responsibility as someone said earlier make them feel valued because they are valued and and that way uh they will become an integral part of of the organization and so making them feel valued giving them responsibility they own a piece of the affiliate They own a piece of the whole
10: organization. All right, next, Denise Colley. I would have to agree
4: with a lot of what Michael said, but I'd even go back further than that. I think the first thing we need to do is find out why they're members at large. What is it that makes them not want to join an affiliate or a a state affiliate or special interest affiliate And really take note of the information that we're given and i don't think that should be done in a survey surveys are very impersonal and people don't necessarily really want to fill them out and you don't get all the information you need if they're just filling out a a form we need to actually have personal contact with these people and talk to them and find out why are why did you choose to be a, a member at large and what does that mean to you and is acb meeting your needs and if not what is it we need to do to make you feel more contact, connected and more involved? And how, you know, how can we utilize the skills and the abilities and the talents that you have? We need to go to them where they are and pull them in. Or acknowledge that they are members of large, at large because that's what they choose to be and acknowledge the fact that that group of people is just as important as
5: any of our affiliates. Thank you. Thank you. Ray
2: Campbell. Uh, a couple of points. Um, I hate to keep going back to community, but I think community has allowed people who are members, who choose to be members at large, to be able to get involved a little bit more in ACB. In fact, I one of the things I heard at the uh, March Town Hall was that there were some individuals that had come in through community and had become members at large. Uh, I also would like to piggyback a little on something Denise said, and I think we we don't, let's not assume they all want to be members at large. I think I agree with Denise that, you know, use the posse or whatever, make that personal contact with them and say, are you interested in finding out about affiliates that are near you? Are you interested in about what are you, what are your interests? You know, we have an affiliate, a special interest affiliate for this or that or the other thing. Um, and, I think thirdly there needs to be a little bit of accountability uh, one of the reasons for example somebody might be a member at large is they contacted their state affiliate and no one got back to them well if that contact was initiated through the you know that's something that um our state affiliates you know we need we as affiliate leaders need to be accountable so when those members reach out to us and contact us that we are getting back to them that someone is getting back to them someone is getting them hooked up and signed up. And I think members at large, it's not only at the national level, but I think we also need to look at our affiliates too and Hi. encourage our affiliates to do more with their members at large, because that helps ACB.
1: David Trot. Okay. Um, you know, we, we have something in place already to work on this. And that's Cindy. She, she's not only over community, but she is our membership involvement person. I think that we need to have an officer or a board member liaise with her and her staff. Uh, you know, we, we've had a new staff member come on board there, and then with Cindy's accident, uh, things have got kind of slowed down. But we really need to utilize the service we have in place and just follow through and make sure that's working. If not, we need to fix it because uh, members at large are important. Uh, we have them in the state as well. Uh, we're actually organizing a virtual chapter for our members at large to have more involvement. So we're looking at things like that, and we might need to do that on the national level. I don't know yet. We, we need to look at it and see. But it's definitely uh, a way, because members at large are kind of uh, random. You know, you, you get them sometime. We get a lot of these people to save money on their registration at convention. And that's all they want. So why do we have them? You know, why, why did someone join? that's what we need to find out. And I think that's better handled at our staff level with, uh, you know, and some oversight from our board of directors to know what's going on so, so that we can make suggestions to help it forward. But I think, Cindy, overall, uh, once Time. everything is twice. we do a great job. So thank you.
5: All right. um, before we take the next question, because we did start a few minutes late with the stream. Is everyone okay if we go until about 15 past the hour?
1: Space audio sure. I'm good. Okay. So am I.
5: All right. Is anyone not okay with going till 15 past? That includes you, Herbie, or anyone.
10: <laughs>
5: okay, I will take that as a, as a sign of agreement. Who's next, Cecily? Mary Pacheco.
4: Good evening, everyone. Um, I am going to ask this question on behalf of myself and a few other people that I've been talking to lately. And that is, We've spoken a lot this evening about advocacy and yet advocacy is one area in which we have fewer staff than in some of the other programs like audio description or development. I'd like to know what each of the officers would like to uh, plan to do about the about the fact that we have fewer people, on staff working on advocacy and governmental affairs.
10: Thank you. Next two years.
5: Thank you. All right. So let's start with, let's start with Deb Cook Lewis, please.
0: Well, I'm going to do the math. Let's see. We have, we have one person in um, audio description. That's Tabitha. We have, we do have two people in advocacy, two people actually in development because bill reader is very, very temporary and is not a, a full salaried staff person. And, um, um, you know, and, and so we have, we have two in a lot of our staff areas, but, but we're not, we don't have fewer advocacy staff than anything else. I sure would agree, as I already said, that if we could have uh, one per legislative imperative, that would get us four. And the reason we have to have development people is that's how we organize uh, getting our funding. And so we, we, need those people to pay for themselves. So the other part of this is it's, it's partly that we have staff. It's also partly that we have our fabulous volunteer army and, You know, as I've been starting to explore in all the committees and all of the work our organization does, there's some very heavy lifting going on in ADP, which, by the way, is mostly advocacy. Um, There is very heavy lifting going on in our regular advocacy committee and in many of our other uh, work areas um, as well. All right.
10: Um, David Trott.
1: Sorry, we didn't want to unmute for me. Um, you know, I, I know that we need to grow advocacy, but the one thing that we don't do, and this question truly proves it, ACB, you know, we're kind of a quiet organization. We don't pat ourself on the back enough. All the advocacy successes that we've had just over the past few years, you could actually go back 10 years and look at the advocacy successes. Um, they, they've not only brought betterment of different things that we advocated for into the organization and into blindness as a whole but a lot of our advocacy has also brought funding into the organization so we're we're not we're not doing bad we just don't talk about it Uh, we need to talk about it more yes if we could I would I would jump up and down if we could have another advocacy staff person or two Uh, but Realistically, we're doing great with what we got. We just don't talk about it enough.
5: Thank you. Ray Campbell.
2: Well, I can't really add a lot to what's been said. Um, I do think that, um, uh, but I think what's, what, what I will add is that we, we may have two people on staff uh, but as has been pointed out, we have uh, some strong advocacy committees uh, a lot of what we do is uh, centered around advocacy, even in other areas that aren't called advocacy, as was mentioned. Um, but we also partner with um, various organizations, uh, the Washington Lawyers Committee, for example, uh, we partner with other organizations to get boots on the ground to do um, do advocacy work. Um, but. The, the bottom line, I think, is number one, David's right. We've got to talk more about what we do because that'll get us to number two. And that is, we need to figure out ways to get more people to do advocacy work. And I think we've taken some steps in that direction with being able to have uh, virtual appointments with our legislators. Um, I know several states have gotten more participation from doing that. And, and even For those who want to, to find ways to get people not only out to Washington, D.C. to advocate on things, but also to work in their states and in their local chapters. But the one thing that we need to encourage each and every one of our members to do is register and vote because voting counts. And when you go to advocate, if you voted, they know it and they're going to listen to you.
10: Thank you, um, Denise Colley. I can't add too much more to what's
4: already been said, except that <clears throat> being—I've um, had the opportunity, the privilege of being on the advocacy services committee, not the steering committee, but just the committee itself—and I get to hear every month about what is being done and what's being worked on, and it really is amazing. And so, my first question to individuals who feel that we're really not addressing advocacy as we should, is is your issue a national issue or is it a state or local issue? I think that's the first question that needs to be asked at at all times. Um, Certainly, I think we would all agree we need more people. We need more boots on the ground dealing with these issues. But we have to work within what we have. And so uh, we have to establish our priorities, which is why we need to to really provide that education and teach our members how to be their own advocates, and teach our affiliates how to uh, how to organize around an issue on their state level or their or their local level, uh, we can't expect our national um, office to do everything. I mean, we really have to step out and and if if you're somebody who has a real advocacy issue and you feel like it's not being heard or you're not being heard go to the advocacy services steering committee go to our advocacy staff and talk about your issues and talk about your concerns because that's where it
3: starts
5: Mike thank you Michael Garrett
3: same song fifth verse <laughs> advocacy to me is a is a it's a team approach and it's Our our advocacy staff is driven by uh, the convention, the resolutions, uh, and the priorities that come up within the blindness community. And it's important that we give them the support that they need, uh, the opportunities, the tools, uh, and uh, by support, that means we need to be boots on the ground ourselves. So it's a team effort, uh, and I agree with, with with Deb. If we had uh, enough funding to have a staff member for every for, uh,
10: imperative, what a luxury! Thank you very much. Um, I want to. Um
5: We did have some questions that actually came in the um, Q&A box. So um, thank you um, for letting me know that. Um, So I want to take one of those um, now. And this may be the last um, question of the evening. We'll see. But um, it says, now that all ACB members have a chance to vote, regardless of whether or not they attend the convention, what is your opinion as candidates regarding the delegate votes from special interest and state affiliates? So let's start with Michael.
3: Yeah, that's been a... Uh a subject of much debate here recently, but by and large, I believe that the delegates need to be heard. I, I, I guess it's it's thought to be a double counting in in some instances, but it is a way to make sure that everybody. Gets a chance to vote. No, you're not necessarily voting twice, but it makes sure that you are your your opinions are recognized, your voice is heard, and there may be a change coming down the pike. But that's something that we'll have to deal with as we go forward. I don't think the voting process is has been clearly defined yet it's a work in progress you know we on the voting task force realize that but where we stand now is 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 proof that we can allow every member in acb to vote i'll leave it at that for now
10: all right. Thank you, Denise Colley.
5: I would have nothing to add. <clears throat> okay. Ray
2: Campbell. Um, I think that I think we need to continue to um, get more members to participate in the voting process. Of course, we can't force anyone to do that. But what we've seen over the last few years is there really has not been an increase in the amount of participation. So we need to probably continue, I think, as I think that will change as more people become aware that they can actually vote. And I think this issue is a, it's not as simple as, well, let's just get rid of the affiliate vote. First of all, in the Constitution and bylaws, there's a lot of stuff that has to be unwound that's tied around the affiliate vote. So I'd go back to what I said earlier, and I think that a group of people needs to be formed, uh, whether it's voting task force, whether it is uh, another group, but I definitely think it has to be people who understand the history of ACB and who understand what it's going to take to get rid of the uh, to to get rid of the delegate vote, but I think it's going to be at least a couple of years before we see that kind of change come forward. And um, uh, ultimately, personally, I'd like to see it go away, but what we'll see.
5: Thank you, David Trot.
1: Yes, um, I think before we do anything that the percentage of voters has to increase significantly. Uh, if you go back last year and you look at the elections, um, and we had more elections last year than we will this year. Um, you know, we don't have that much participation now. So this does give people an added way to at least increase, uh, you know, or, or not necessarily increase, but to make their, their feelings known. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still uh, being elected by a minority of our membership, which is not a good thing. Uh, I think that we need to find a way to interest more people in, in the voting process and learn as they come in from them what will make that process better for them.
5: Thank you, Deb Cook
0: Lewis. Well, I actually um, think that it takes time to work out the process, but I um, and I am absolutely going to operate with whatever our membership does. But I absolutely do not see any value in carrying forward um, the delegate vote. And the reason that I don't is simply because of the things that I've already stated. Basically, um, it is a false representation. It doesn't assure that we're representing the states or the people or the affiliates who aren't there to represent themselves. I absolutely agree we need a higher vote, but I can tell you the, high- the vote is a lot higher than what it probably would be had we not made it possible for all members to vote. Um, We only, this year, we're running even on our registration for convention between virtual and um, uh, in person. So um, we, the best thing we ever did for this organization may have been to allow everyone to vote. And now we need to figure out, so now that we've created that particular form of the democracy, what is the value, the actual value in continuing the other process? And if we are to continue it, we need to find a way to do it so that it's much less arduous and complicated.
5: Thank you. Given the time, um, I now want to move to our candidates closing remarks and again, um, apologies that we did not get to all the questions, but I'm sure there are going to be other opportunities to hear from the candidates um, between now and and, um, convention and there are also the candidates pages um, available on acb.org so be sure to check those out if you have not done so already. So let's move on to um, closing remarks from the candidates, and you have up to one minute. Let's start first this time with the BOP candidates and with Edward Shaham, please.
9: Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so my closing arguments are, are is this. I am a member of the American Council of Blind Students, and you know, we talked a lot about bringing in um, younger people. I'm 46, so I don't, I don't necessarily count, I don't think. But I know I know that we, we do want to bring in, um, you know, college students uh, in their 18, 18 to 25 range. We should, as the Board of Publication, de- uh, delegate some resources to helping ACB students with their pu- publications and giving them uh, resources. And I think uh this is something that I would be very passionate about helping with if i was elected i also uh, want to emphasize that we really need um to we have a beautiful agenda for our in-person convention i think it's beautifully done uh, very interesting very engaging and i've heard talk thank about you. where are we going to be sorry Time. Okay, thank you
10: jeff bishop Jeff, are you able
8: to unmute? Oh, I thought I was unmuted. There we go. There you
5: go. (laughs) There you are.
8: All right. Katie and Cache, thank you so much for holding this uh, session tonight. It's been wonderful. And most importantly, thank you to all of you who are listening tonight. I've served this organization for, for quite a long time, and I ask for your vote to continue to serve on the Board of Publications. I think I bring significant value, especially in the area of ACB media, my history in understanding the the workings and inner workings of the Board of Publications, since I've attended dozens and dozens of meetings over the past 10 years. And most importantly, I want to make sure that your voice is heard and that everyone is represented in all of our publications and all the work that we do within the ACB. So Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And I would appreciate your vote. Thank you kindly. Good night.
10: Thank you. Michael Garrett.
3: I want to thank Katie and Keshay for uh, moderating and all of the people who support streaming and hosting. And I want to thank you, the listeners of ACB, I want to continue to serve this organization. I spend a lot of time working for the betterment of the organization and the people who comprise it, those of us who are blind and visually impaired. I wanna continue to do that. And for that, I need your vote and your support. If you wanna find out any more about me, my contact information is out there. Feel free to call me and let's talk or email me. Let's, let's talk. If you want to get to know me better. I'm always available.
10: Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you. Denise Colley. Well, as I said earlier,
4: <clears throat> I really believe that how we communicate our members with our members is a crucial part in what keeps us a vital, healthy organization. And I want to be able to work, continue to work, to ensure that those lines of communication are stronger and are more transparent. I want to serve another term as your ACB secretary, because doing so has given me the privilege of being able to communicate and document the actions and work of the board of directors. And that I feel that I'm in a good position right now with my years of experience, to keep ACB moving forward. And that is really my goal for the next two years is to help in whatever way I can to help us move forward in a positive direction. So I hope that um, I have your confidence and I hope that, and I want you to know that my door is always open for any input and any feedback. Thank
2: you. Ray Campbell. Thank you, and thank you to uh, Katie and Cachet and the Board of Publications for putting this event together and for everyone else involved. But most importantly, thank you to each and every one of you for attending tonight. I'm sure there are many, maybe better things you could have done with your Wednesday evening. I appreciate your vote to serve my third and final term as second vice president of ACB. ACB is a strong organization, well on our way to becoming the chief influence in visually impaired community. And with your help, I can continue to do, take actions to help move the organization forward in positive directions and keep ACB strong and vibrant and all of that. But I need your help to do it. The greatest thing about ACB is each and every one of us as members. It's you who allow people like myself the privilege to serve. And I'd appreciate your vote. And thank you very much.
10: Thank you, David Trott.
1: Yes, uh, Katie, first, I want to thank you for giving me the privilege of being with you on the Board of Publications uh, as an ex member for all these years. And, Cashier, thank you guys for being here tonight. It, it was great having y'all to host to us once again. Uh, I'm a- asking you for your support again to stay with you. About 40 years ago as a very young, very young man, uh, <laughs> I, I gave my dedication and my life's work other than making my living. I said, you know, you've got to give back. And I chose ACB and I chose it for two things. The work and the goals of ACB and the fellowship that it gave us to be together. And I really love the organization. Uh, I have a strong dedication to it. Fortunately, now I have the time to dedicate to it even more. So, again, I ask for your support, and thank you for having me all these years. Thank
0: you.
5: And Deb Cook-Lewis.
0: I'm a member of ACB because I believe as an organization, we can do so much more as a body than we can as individuals. And I think that is the power of our organization. And I think we sometimes become very distracted by all the little nuances of whether we uh, agree about membership things, whether we agree about voting things, whether we agree about the value of history, whether we agree about this or that. But we need to focus down on the thing we do agree about, which is that as an organization, the we are the greater uh, sum than the individual people are. And so I challenge us to continue that threshold. And if you so desire, I wish to serve you as president for the next two years. And I just thank you all for being here. I'm so impressed that you would come out to a candidates forum where Many of the candidates will probably be non-competing positions, but you're still here finding out what we have to say. And I thank you for that.
5: Thank you. And I um, thank everyone for tonight as well. Um, Time flies when you're having fun. And we've been having fun for the past two hours, really getting to know our candidates Positions within the American Council of the Blind. So thank you to Steve for hosting this evening. Thank you to Herbie for streaming. And thanks to Rick who started us off and then had some, we had some technical challenges, but we were flexible and overcame those. And thank you to Cache for helping me facilitate this evening. And again, thank you to the members of the American Council of the Blind for joining us this evening and asking questions and hearing more from our potential uh, future leaders in ACB. So with that, I would like to wish everyone a good night.